with me to Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 8. Luke 24, 1 through 8, or you can read along on the PowerPoint. Jesus has risen, starting at verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. It was early in the morning, and the ladies had just witnessed with their own eyes just two days before the arrest, the trial, the beatings, the abuse, and finally the horrific death of Jesus, their friend. Many times when we witness something horrific, it finds a way of engraving itself into our minds, doesn't it? Those images seem to remain for a long time. Sometimes we dream about them, they give us nightmares, they wake us up. And it's funny that when you experience something like that, even the smells stand out to you. In fact, you know as well as I do that you can be driving along and all of a sudden you can smell a certain scent in the air and it takes your mind back to something, an experience that you had. I would imagine that for these ladies and Jesus' disciples, that they were no exception to this rule. This man that they loved, that they followed, that they saw God move through. They saw many miracles happen through him and through his power and authority. Yet what stands out the most in their minds on this third day would have been his crucifixion. I can only imagine that for the last few days, every hour of the day they were reliving it, agonizing over it, probably even dreaming about it. And it's with these thoughts in their minds that they bought and prepared spices the day before and were now on the way to anoint Jesus' dead and lifeless body in the tomb. We're told in Mark chapter 16, verse 3, that the ladies were asking each other and were concerned about who was going to roll away the stone and how they were going to get to Jesus' body. See, their thoughts were not on what Jesus had taught them. Their thoughts were not on what they had seen and all of the miracles. Their thoughts were not on the words of Jesus himself when he declared that he would be betrayed, that he would be killed, and that he would rise again. Instead, They were going to find a dead body, not a risen Savior. 
all that Jesus had said and taught and the miracles that they had witnessed him perform had now been trumped, overpowered by the finality of what they had seen. There's something final to death, isn't there? That's the period. That's the full stop to the sentence. It's over at that point. Then there's something final to death on a cross. No one had ever resurrected from that. No one had ever made it through that. And then there was the stone that sealed the tomb and all of these things declared that it was over. And so all of these things overshadowed Jesus' words and his miracles. For them, now the cross was reality. The cross had the final word. What the cross declared and what the tomb declared was more powerful and held more weight than what Jesus had said. In their minds, death had won. But this would be a morning like no other. To their astonishment, they would go to find death. They would go to anoint a dead body. They would go to find a a heavy stone enclosing the tomb. But what they would find would be quite different. They would find the stone rolled away. They would find the tomb empty And in the midst of this, they would be confronted with a question. Almost an unfair question. Why do you look for the living among the dead? They were looking for the dead among the dead. They weren't looking for the living. And that was their mistake. They were looking as if the cross had the final say-so. But they're asked, why do you look for the living among the dead? They were asked, in essence, why do you have spices for a dead body? Why are you living as if he's dead? Why aren't you living as if he lives? I believe this question echoes in our own lives even today. Why do some of us who have Jesus' words, his promises, his miracles, and his life in front of us, why do we live as if he's dead? Why do we live as if he has not conquered the grave, defeated sin, death, and the cross, Kind of creepy sounding, isn't it? You'll get used to it. That's the wind. (laughs) I should have made that spiritual. That's God. (laughs) But we find this true in our lives. That we can read things and, and, and see miracles, but in our lives when we experience something like a cross or some report or some challenge, We find ourselves prepping for the worst as if our Savior is dead rather than alive. See, these ladies 
Despite Jesus' words, they went to work two days earlier. They loved Jesus dearly. But the report of his death and what they had seen overpowered his words. And so in disbelief, they went to work to honor Jesus. They were preparing spices as an act of love and honor. And they purchased expensive spices because they wanted to do the best for Jesus. And then they prepared these spices. And then they got up early and carried these, this load of spices to the tomb. We know that in John it tells us that 75 pounds of spices were used initially before these ladies came. And while we don't know exactly how much uh, spices they brought, it's estimated that these ladies were carrying at least 25 pounds of spices to the tomb. And so they rise early, all out of love for Jesus. And they head to the tomb, all out of love for Jesus, carrying a burden that they did not need to carry all in the love of Jesus. And as they walk to the tomb, their minds are consumed with worry and concern about a stone and how they're going to get to Jesus. All of this to honor and show love to Jesus. All of their actions done in love, yet all of their actions declared they were serving a dead Savior. All of their actions declared that they did not believe. In their minds, they were to see a serving a defeated God, one conquered by a cross, overpowered by death, defeated by our sin. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we can almost see ourselves in this sometimes. Why is it that our sin is more powerful than Jesus' resurrection? Why is it that our, our addictions and our bondages are more powerful in our minds than Jesus' resurrection? Why is it that a report from a doctor can be more powerful than Jesus' resurrection? Why is it that into our lives when these reports come and we see the finality of these things in our minds, we start preparing and carrying burdens that we were never meant to carry? You know, when they prepared for Jesus' body, it cost them. They purchased expensive spices. They were wasting their time. They were wasting their money. And they were carrying loads that they were not meant to carry. And they were worrying about things that they were not meant to worry. All because they acted as if Jesus was not alive. That the message from Jesus himself was somehow trumped by the message of a cross and the message of a tomb and the message of a stone. But I love that their belief and their lack of belief didn't change what Jesus did. We too can find ourselves living this way. How many times have you found yourself preparing for the worst instead of expecting the best? You get a report and you say, well, no one survived this before. Can I tell you, no one ever survived the cross before either. 
worried about how you're going to roll back a stone from the grave. It wasn't for them to worry about. Jesus took care of that. Carrying a load that you didn't need to carry in love of Christ, but in denial of his power. See, we can walk into a beautiful church like this and we can celebrate Easter and celebrate the resurrection of Christ, yet carrying loads into this place that he died to set you free from. We can walk into this place as an act of love, sincere love. They love Jesus. We love Jesus. But somehow... His message and his power and his authority can be lost by circumstances in our lives because we seem to believe that his power, we can't wrap around our, our minds around the fact that his power is bigger than our biggest trials. And when we do that, we look just like these ladies and just like these disciples. In love with Jesus. But acting as if he's dead. When I look back on my life, I can declare that this has been true too many times. I have gone through some situations. And at the end of them, I can tell you that I worried about nothing. Anybody else? How many times has worry kept you up? You've lost sleep. And now you look back and go, oh man, if I could get those hours and those nights back, I really had nothing to worry about. Yet I spent too much time worrying. I was carrying a burden that Jesus said I didn't need to carry. Yet I chose to carry it anyway not because he didn't show up, because I chose not to believe. And I thank God that he did what he was going to do anyway. It's been true in my life. I know it's true in all of our lives. Wasted time, warring, carrying heavy loads. What are you carrying this morning? What are you worshiping Jesus this morning, declaring his resurrection, his power and authority, yet you're carrying this weight or this chain that acts as if he's dead? And so one moment you're praising God and you're lifting your hands because he is, he is this risen Savior. You're in victory. Yet the same moment you're bound and you're tied down and you're weighted down and you're actually living as if he's not alive and you're singing as if he is. There's a disconnect Things change when you start living as if he is alive, not as if he is dead. We are in this building today because you dared to live as if he was alive. And when you live as if he lives, you will see amazing things happen. There's a responsibility for each one of us. We have seen God do the impossible. You're in this place because God did the impossible. The circumstances declared it wasn't going to happen. 
There was no way. You moved in obedience and God did it anyway. That's the God that we serve. And I want to tell you, the third Sunday that we're in this place celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he doesn't care about a building. He cares about people. And if God will move us into a building through the impossible, what more does he want to do in your life? And he gives us these miracles as examples for something like this. You, were walk, you walked into a miracle this morning, and there's a message behind that. And that message on this Resurrection Sunday is this. You can live as if he lives. If he will do this for a building, what won't he do for you? And what won't he do for your struggles? And what won't he do for your trials? And what won't he do for your loved ones? But you need to take some steps as if he lives, not as if he is dead. You need to take those spices that you've bought to honor Jesus and get rid of them. They cost you too much. He doesn't want you to honor him as if he's dead. He wants you to worship him like he's alive because he is. Our words that we sing and declare to, Lord, to the Lord every Sunday need to be sung out through the way we live our lives, not just through the voice, our vocal cords. I want to tell you, glad tidings, you will see amazing things happen. And when you see amazing things happen, it will build your faith. And when it builds your faith, you will dare to take additional steps and that will continue to build and then people will care about what you have to say. They will want to know what's going on and your only explanation for what is happening will be pointing to him because you will have no answers. If we can explain it, God didn't do it. I love it. When I can stand up as a pastor and say, yeah, it's not because we did anything. This wasn't because of our strategy or because of how smart we were. We just dared to trust and God did it. Only he can explain it and he will do that in your life. That's the message of all of this. It's for you. He is bigger than your addiction. He is bigger than your bondage. He is bigger than the report of the doctor. He is bigger than a death sentence. He is bigger than your unsaved loved ones. He is bigger than your struggles in marriage. He is bigger than the abuse in your past life. Stop being defined by those things and be defined by the victory you do have. Because he conquered the cross and he conquered the grave, not once but forever. Live as if he lives. I'm talking to you who have already accepted Jesus Christ. But now I want to talk to you, those who may be in this place that haven't accepted Christ. See, there are some in this place this morning who are desperately looking for fulfillment for life. They're looking for joy. And the same question can be asked of you. Why do you look for life among death? Why do you look for life in the things that lead to death? You look for a Savior in all the wrong places. 
You want to live life to the fullest, but you chase things that ultimately will kill you. You search for fulfillment and emptiness. We search for our highs and our joys, and we find it in a bottle, we find it in a pill, we find it in an addiction, we find it in a habit, and those things lead to destruction and lead to death, but we chase these things. But oh, that's not me, because I don't have any addiction issues. But then we look for life in our careers and fulfillment through finances, And we chase other things that are supposed to bring some kind of fulfillment, some kind of peace. But at the end, leave you empty with nothing. And Jesus would say this to you, why are you looking for life amongst things that lead to death? True life only comes through Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can fill that void. Only Jesus can give you joy and peace. Only Jesus can satisfy. It's amazing how someone who has the love of Christ in their lives can be broke and painless and not really care about it. Because they have a joy and an internal peace that doesn't come from external satisfaction. It doesn't come from a career or from finances or from any addiction or anything like that. But no, it comes from having a relationship. You were built from the very beginning to worship Jesus Christ. You were built. That's why we're here is to worship him. And if we're not worshiping him, there's a void in our lives. And so we run after different things trying to fulfill a void that can only be filled by us worshiping God. And so we cram everything into that finances and we realize that doesn't work. Then we chase other things, relationships and men and women and other things. And then we chase careers and then we chase addictions and then we chase all this time finding us empty They fill for a little bit of time and then they lead us down to death. And so we're trying to fill the void that can only be filled by by the worship of the one that you were created to worship. Too many people get to the end of their lives only to realize that they've chased all of the wrong things. They can have large bank accounts and vast property They can have reputation. They can have fame. Yet they find themselves lying on their deathbed saying, there's got to be more to life than this. Was this it? Can I tell you something? Your life is too valuable to give it to anything else but to serve God. I start looking around as I get older. I start looking at vehicles, even driving down the road. I see these Maseratis and I see all of these things. And I actually end up feeling sorry for the people driving them. I actually see massive houses and I see all these things. And I find myself, when in younger, younger days, I, I think it probably would have been like, oh, wow, it would be great to have something like that. And now I go, man, it's sad that that's where their identity is that that's what they claim is success. If I can have this house or I have this car, now I've arrived to reduce your arrival to something like a car that will rust out. I don't care how good it is. In four years, it's old. And a house, you're going to have to replace the roof. And even what's, what's popular today, 10 years from now, will need to be updated. 
Can I tell you, your relationship with Jesus Christ never needs to be updated. It's always good. Don't take it the wrong way. You need to stay in your word and you need to pray. But he never gets old. Don't live your life selling out for emptiness. Sell out to him. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he said, it is finished. The ultimate sacrifice of Jesus was successful. He took all of your sin, and he took all of your shame, and he took all of your pain, and all of your scars and hurts, and they died with him. But only he resurrected. Your sin didn't resurrect with him. And your shame didn't resurrect with him. And your pain didn't resurrect with him. They stayed dead so that you could have life. And in his death, he has set you free from them. Jesus died so that you could live. Death couldn't stop him. And hell couldn't keep him. And sin could not defeat him because he rose again. Because he lives, so can you. Would you stand to your feet this morning? And would you bow your heads? I'm not going to call anyone to the front this morning, but I want this to be real and I want this to be personal between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. For us to end any other way would be pointless, but we are in this place because Jesus rose again and your sin has been defeated. So would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes? And if you're in this place, And you're carrying a burden that you shouldn't be carrying. And you're carrying worry that you shouldn't be carrying. And if you're living as if he is dead and you want to ask God to forgive you and you want to exchange that weight for his life and you want to change the course of your life and you want to declare to him today that today going forward it will be new and it will be different in your life. You're not going to live as if the doctors have the final say. You're not going to live as if your past abuses and hurts can control your future. But you're going to live as if all of that was defeated by Jesus' resurrection from the grave. And this morning, once and for all, you want to lay down that weight, that abuse, that shame, and that pain, whatever it may be. Would you just raise your hand, not to me, to him. Just raise it high. Let him, let him know. And don't be ashamed. Just lay it down before him and say, Lord, I'm sorry that I've been carrying this. I'm sorry that I've been living as if I serve a defeated Savior. And this morning, 
all of that changes. I declare that you rose again from the grave. And because you rose again, I too rise again through your power and your blood. When you rose again, Lord God, even as we sang, you resurrected me and I'm going to live that way. In the name of Jesus. Now I want to talk to those in here that do not know him. I want to say this again. You were created for one reason. And the reason why you feel empty, and I know you do, because we've all been there is because you're trying to fulfill some slot in your life, some massive gaping hole with things that don't fit. Sure, they might feel okay for a time, but just like everything else, those feelings that high will die down. If you're honest with yourself, I don't even need to convince you. You can look at your past and tell me that that's the case. We've all been there. But it changed when we found Christ. Because he's that puzzle piece that fits. And the only one that fits. And in that gaping hole in your life, you've got all this garbage that you've stuffed in there. And you've tried to make it fit. And it's led to pain. It's led to hurt. It's led to scars. And there's so much junk in there that it doesn't seem possible that there's even room for Jesus. How could he even fit into the garbage in my life? What I love about Jesus is that on the night that he was betrayed, he had you in mind. He had me in mind. And his message to you is open your doors and I will step in and I will clean and I will heal, and I will restore. That's what Easter's about. Let him rise again in your life. Let him rise again in your ashes. Let him rise again in your sorrows and in your shame. Will you be able to explain it? If you can, he didn't do it. Just accept him. It would be a shame to walk out these doors celebrating Easter but putting spices on a dead body. You're worth so much more. If you surrender your life to him, he will step in. I want to pray with you and then I'm going to ask Pastor Randy to close us in the song. Lord Jesus, we come before you. Lord, you can see into every heart, every sorrow. God, those in this place who are right now saying, I've done too much. God, you couldn't even forgive me. God, my life is it's too dirty. I don't know if you'd even want me. You're disgusted with me. Those who are declaring that right now, those ones especially, the ones that you're talking to. 
pray now, Lord God, as they open up their lives, they dare to crack that door into the shame and the hurt, the places they try to hide from everyone else. God, as they crack that door, I pray that the light of your love and life will begin to shine in. And you would begin to restore and you would begin to heal. You would begin to do the impossible in their lives. I thank you that you've already died for this moment right now. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that they have victory because of you. Just let them in. Just let them in. And ask them to change you. And ask them to wash you. And ask them to give you life. And walk out of here in victory.